in American history. He wanted me to read this. I guess we're going to be reading some of these. I don't know what my hair looks like, but that's okay. Uh, this is the Boston Tea Party Harbor Blocked and Jefferson's Fasting Resolution. Amen. The French and Indian War ended in, 19, er, in 1763 with the French losing Canada and all the land east of the Mississippi River. King George III decided to, to tax the colonies to pay for their defense in case of future French incursions or native uprisings. British troops were funded by the sugar tax of 1764, stamp tax of 1765, and Towson Acts of 1767, taxing glass, paint, and paper. See, they were taxing back then. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, as the colonies had no representatives in Parliament, the, the cry arose, no taxation without presentation. The king imposed writs of assistance in 1765, allowing British authorities to arrest anybody, anytime, anywhere, on any suspicion, and to detain them indefinitely. Citizens, houses, property, and farms could be taken without a warrant or due process. As there were no barracks, British troops forcibly lodged or quarreled in citizens' homes, leaving families to live in barns, basements, or attics. On March 5, 1770, a mob formed in Boston to protest, and in the confusion, British troops fired into the crowd, killing... Hang on. I never heard this before. They didn't teach this in my school. Killing five, of which was an African-American patriot, Crispus Attucks. This became known as the Boston Massacre. In 1773, the British passed the Tea, Alert, tea Act, sorry, in which the king showed favoritism by allowing the East Indian Tea Company to sell half a million pounds of tea in the colonies with no taxes, giving them a monopoly by underselling American merchants. On December 16, 1773, Sam Adams led some citizens of Boston called the Sons of Liberty to disguise themselves as Mohawk Indians and raid the British ships at Griffith's Wharf throwing 342 chests of British East India Tea, India Company Tea, into Boston's harbor. This became known as the Boston Tea Party. The king responded with the Boston Port Act, punishing the colonists by blocking Boston's harbor on June 1, 1774, in the neighboring colony of Virginia. Thomas Jefferson drafted a drafted a day of fasting to be observed the same day. It was introduced into the Virginia House of Burgesses by Robert Carter Nicholas with the support of Patrick Henry, Richard Harry, Henry Lee, and George Mason and passed unanimously. This house being deeply impressed with the Apprehension of the great dangers to be derived to British America from the hostile invasion of the city of Boston in our sister colony of Massachusetts deemed it highly necessary that the said first day of June be set apart by the members of this house as a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. Devoutly to implore the divine interposition for adverting the heavy calamity, calamity, I'm sorry, which threatens destruction to our civil rights, ordered therefore that the members of this house do attend with a speaker 
and the mace to the church in the city for the purpose aforesaid, and that the Reverend Mr. Price be appointed to read prayers and the Reverend Mr. Walken to preach a sermon. George Washington wrote in his diary, June 1, 1774, went to church and fasted all day. Virginia's royal governor, Lord Drummond, viewed the fasting resolution as a veiled protest against, against George III, King George III, and it was the king's policy which was responsible for blockading Boston Harbor. The Lord Dunmore resolved, dissolved the House of Burgess Rather than going home, the Virginian legislators gathered down the street at Raleigh Tavern, where in the back room they conspired to form the first Continental Congress, which met three months later in Philadelphia. Within two years, the Continental Congress voted for independence. Hallelujah. That's amazing. Did you want to share anything? Praise God. How many knew all that? Some of it. Amen. Okay. Ushers, if you'd come forward, this is at ended up on the difference between Thomas' faith and Abraham's faith. How many remember that? <coughs> well, it wasn't last week. It was week before last. I take that back. So we have the faith of Abraham in the name of Jesus and not the Thomas kind of faith. Amen? So we're just going to go ahead and move on. And I want to thank everyone for my party. I'm still writing... Thank you, cards. You know, you always bless us so much. It was just wonderful. And the food was excellent. And I thank you for the gifts. God is, I believe, giving you back a hundredfold return, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. So this morning, we want to turn to Proverbs 4. 20 and 22 in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. How many have this God's creative power by Charles Capps, this one? I'm not going to ask how many read it. <laughs> I hope you are. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands today. Confession, unfortunately, is something that has been lost in the body of Christ through the years. And it's something that is extremely important. How many know that? So, in our past lessons, we've learned that faith is not something we have as much as it is something we do. Amen? We all have been given the measure of faith. And how do you increase that by doing? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hardness of heart I, comes by hearing the word of God and not doing it. And every time we hear the word of God and we don't do it, and that it, we become hardened in that area. So it's very important that we act upon the word that we hear, that we go home and meditate on what we've heard that day. You know, every, every time you're hearing the word of God spoken, faith is coming to you. Amen? Faith is coming to you. You can go to sleep and, and not receive it. You can turn it off because 
It's like many times the word of God will tell you something that you need to stop doing that you don't want to do it. You don't want to stop. And so it's very important that we become doers of the word, not just hearers only. So we've seen that the faith is not hoping, that we will see the answer in the future. Faith is believing. Faith is not hoping that in the future I'm going to see the answer. That just kind of leaves it just, just out there. Faith is... I'll say that again. Faith is not hoping that, we'll, that we will see the answer in the future. Faith is believing that we have the answer now. The eyes of faith see the answer as having already happened. The eyes of faith see the answer as already happening. In Proverbs 4, 20 and 21, I taught extensively on this. Oh, gosh, a couple months ago. But I want us to go through this today. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let, thy, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Notice this, that it, it, this scripture says, Let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. Let not my words depart from your eyes. So that means you need to be reading the word. Amen. Many people fail because they see themselves as failing. If they are sick, they think of themselves as dying. God's word says himself, Jesus, in Matthew 18, 17 took our infirmities, and bore our sicknesses. If that word does not depart from before your eyes, you are bound to see yourself without sickness and without disease, and you will see yourself as well. Even though your body might be screaming out to you in pain, what does the word say? What's greater, your body, your spirit, your soul, or your body? Who's going to have control here? And it, you know, if you've had an accident or something has happened, it takes a while for you to receive that healing. How long? I can't tell you. You know, that's up to your faith, how much you study the word, how much you confess the word, how much you believe the word, how much you believe the doctor's report. You know, there's a song we sing, whose report do you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord, you know. If, however, you do not see yourself without sickness, then the word has departed from before your eyes. And even though God wants to make health a reality in your life, he cannot because you are not acting on his word. Where aren't we acting on the word? Notice also the 22nd verse, For they, my words, are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. The Hebrew word translated health here is also the word for medicine. In other words, my words are medicine to all their flesh. The two, first two verses of this passage tell us the directions for taking this medicine. What are those directions? Number one, attend to or study God's word. You need to get yourself a medicine bottle or something and write this on here, okay? This is the directions for my healing, okay? The first one is attend unto or study God's word. And the second, and keep them in the midst of thine heart, or obey his word. Keep that word in the midst of your heart. And what is God's medicine? My words are life unto those that find them, and medicine to all their flesh. But the medicine has to be taken according to the directions in order to work. And one of the 
directions is, let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. Keep looking at what the word says. Keep looking at what the word says when, in whatever area you need healing in. You know, there are different healings that people need. Sitting here today, you might have had problems in your marriage. There might have been things that hurt you as a child. There are things that people go through and they, they can't seem to get rid of. It's the word that will set you free. The Bible says in Psalms 107, 19 and 20, they cried unto the Lord and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all destruction. All destruction. Not some, but all. Let them, my words, not depart from thine eyes. Keep looking at what the word says. Too many people pray and pray, but they never see themselves with the answer. This is the truth. People pray and pray, but they never see themselves with the answer. They just see everything getting worse. They keep looking at the wrong thing and the symptoms and conditions at themselves. And so they walk in unbelief and destroy the effects of their praying. It has to do with the healing of our country. You know, if you sit around watching the news all day long or whatever, or every, every night or whatever, you're going to start to believe that garbage. You know, Pastor and I, I can't remember what it was. It was, um, a Hallmark movie or something. I mean, it was, a, it was an okay movie, but I was like, well, that was just two hours wasted. You ever felt like that? How many have ever gone to the show? You know, if we don't go anymore because of the reviews that they have. And there's many times we've walked out. They'll offer to give you tickets to another show, but but you know, it's 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 interesting. Have you ever done something and you left there thinking, I just spent two hours or whatever of wasted time? Wasted energy. I'm the only person. <laughs> Get your mind on the answer. See yourself as having received. No matter what it is. I don't care what it is. Whether it's, whether it's finances, whatever. Do you know that a person can, can have a spirit of poverty on them and have millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars and still have that on, they, they think that way? The only way out of that is giving. Amen. That's the only way out of that. And reading the word on what the word of God says. A lot of people that were in the depression have that problem if they're still living. Okay, so get your mind on the answer. See yourselves as having received. Constantly affirm, even in the face of contradictory evidence, that God has heard your prayers because the word says so. That's when you will get the results. Constantly affirm that the word says so. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. She kept saying, if I can only get to him if I can only touch the hem of his garment. And she, she knew in herself that somehow she was going to get to him and get down there and grab and touch the hem of his garment. You know, he didn't wear his, his robe up to here. So she had to get down low, okay? I don't know, some pictures I've seen of Jesus are unbelievable. Get your mind on the answer. 
Don't speak forth the problem. Speak forth the answer. You, we have to believe we've got it before we can receive it. You know, when you go to the doctor and he gives you medicine and you take it or herbs or I don't care what it is. You know, you can be taking herbs or you can be taking whatever. When you pay for that bottle, you believe that this thing is going to work for you. Am I correct? Yes. So you take it faithfully. Well, do you take the word as faithfully as, like I take different vitamins, as my vitamins? Do I take the word as faithfully as I eat the, correctly the way God wants me to eat? Am I as faithful with the word? God said the word is more important than our food. It's the truth. You have to believe you've got it before you can receive it. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. What things soever you desire. So you have to desire it. Then you pray it. Amen. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. If you don't want them, then don't desire, don't pray, and don't believe. There are those who say, I'm not going to believe anything I can't see. Well, that's, that was Thomas. I'm not going to believe it until I see the nail prints in his hands and I can stick my hand in his side. I'm not going to believe it till I see that. But in the natural, we believe a lot of things we can't see. How many know that? You believe when you get in your car that it's going to start and when you go down the road, you step, you're going to step on the brakes and the brakes are going to work. I mean, think of the things that you, you believe every day. And yet, God's word is so much greater than that. Those things can fail. God's word does not fail. And that's the thing that we've got to realize God's word does not fail. You know, walk around this week saying that God's word does not fail. The things impossible with man are possible with God. If you want something bad enough, I'm going to tell you, if you really want something bad enough, and the word says you can have it, you will do everything within your power that the word tells you to do to get it. Everything to get it. It's the truth. <laughs> but in the natural, we believe that a lot of things that we can't see Faith contradicts circumstances. Let's turn to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Faith contradicts circumstances. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6.
You ready? I don't know if I've got the right one. Does, does yours say, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Is that what you got? Okay. Pardon? Right. Okay. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man can do to me. I will not fear what man can do to me. Now I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I'm not in any way, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. I will not drop you, in other words. You know how friends will tell you maybe they're going to do something for you and they don't? God is not a man that he should lie. He's going to do what he said he'll do. He's the only person. The only person. I mean, we need to be like Christ. But that you can trust. To the hundred percent. He goes over and above. Which you can even imagine. The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified what man can do to me. You believe that? Amen. I will not. So, are you boldly saying the Lord is my helper? Are you saying it out loud? I mean, we can say amen, but are you really saying it? Am I really saying it? The Lord is my helper. In every circumstance and situation, we've got to get, we have to come over to his side. And in every circumstance and situation, know that he is your helper. He is your El Shaddai. He is more than enough. He is going to bless you. He's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Think of this. Jehovah Shalom, your peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Start, you know, write down the names of God and start meditating on them, who he is. Jehovah Rapha, your what? That's right. Your healer, my healer. Every one of us is standing for something in the healing area in this room, I can guarantee you. Whether it's allergies, symptoms, whatever, you're standing for healing in this room. God wants us to get to the point where we are completely free from anything that's hindering us so we can move on. Present company included, okay? That's why he is having me teach on this. So we can become what he says we are and who we are and we can march in that army that he's desiring. Or he, It's, not, it's a, not even a desire. He has commissioned us to march in this army in these last days.
you've already joined. <laughs> you've already joined. So, you know, hoorah, I could do the thing, but I'm not that good at that, John, what, what you thought pastor was going to do that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've all been, we're all in it, in the army. And I like one thing that the Navy SEALs do. I don't know the rest of them, but because I've studied on them, they will not leave someone there. They will not leave someone there. And that's how this church needs to feel about each other. I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to do what I need to do to pray for you, speak the best over you, protect you, because you are my brother and sister. So I will guard you with my life. Now that's heavy, but that's the God kind of thinking. That's God's kind of way. Amen? Because we might all be living next door to each other on whatever street in heaven. <laughs> Too many people are boldly saying, I'm whipped, I'm defeated. I can't stand anymore. I quit. I give up. That's the wrong thing. Do you know when the enemy hears us say things like that? He's like, I've got them now. If I can get them to speak it then I can just keep applying the pressure. But if he hears you speaking the word continually, and me speaking the word continually, then he knows that he's whipped. That we're speaking God's word, and it's, it's the word that Jesus spoke that totally whipped him, and he does not... It says we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our confession in other words of our lips we we've got to speak the word constantly all right confession key to unlocking faith are you ready let's go for it i don't think i'm going to read my amplified for a while if you christians realize we're going to be into matthew 3 5 and 6 in a minute Realize the plan that confession holds in God's scheme of things. And it is to be regretted that whatever we use, the word confession, people, especially nowadays, will call us the name it and claim it. All right? The gal that watches the boys um, one day, she, we were talking about the Lord, and, and she doesn't care. And she said, you know... She said something about the name it and claim it. And I said, are you aware of the fact that I am one of those? And she didn't. I said, explain to me what you know, what you think the name it and claim it is. You know, when people say these things to you, you need to stop them and say, what do you think that is? So I explained to her exactly how we believe. If the word said it, we believe and that settles it. It's a fact. And so we're going to speak forth the word in circumstances and situations. You know, when people say things like that, you need to be bold enough to stop them and say, wait a minute. Say, I'm one of them. Excuse me. Way back in the days when I was a kid, people were afraid, afraid to say they were Pentecostal because they thought they were holy rollers. And a lot of them were. But they had the power. They had, you know, I, I don't agree myself with the no makeup stuff. That kind of freaks you out or you have to let your hair grow forever. But God doesn't say don't wear makeup, women. But we need to know who we are and speak it forth. Too many of us have kept it in. When you get in the habit of boldly speaking forth the word of God, then that's what you're going to speak. Okay? 
All right, so here we go. The negative is the side of confession. There is a negative and a positive. And the Bible has more to say about the positive aspects of confession than the negative. The dictionary says that to confess means to acknowledge or to own. That's pretty good. To confess means to acknowledge or to own. To acknowledge faith in. To confess according to the dictionary means to make confession of one's faults, but it also says it means to make confession of one's faith. There are four kinds of confession spoken in the New Testament. The teaching of John the Baptist and Jesus regarding confession of sins of the Jews is number one. Number two, the confession of the sinner today. Three, the believer's confession of his sins when he is out of fellowship with God. And four, the confession of our faith in God's word. So, confession of sins of the Jews. We need to understand these things, okay? It is important to make the distinction between the sins of the Jews under the first covenant, to whom Jesus and John the Baptist were talking in Scripture, and the sins of the unbeliever today who has never met Christ. In John 3, 5, and 6, I'll wait till you turn there or do your iPad or whatever. It's not going to do you any good not to open your Bible if we're sitting here talking about what you, what you keep before your eyes. You know, we can go back to <laughs> Proverbs 4.20. They went out to him, then went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all the region round and about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Here we see the picture of God's covenant people confessing their sins and being baptized by John. This was not Christian baptism. Okay? This is where you need to really be able to explain to people. Especially if you go out soul winning. Jesus did not, had not died and risen. John did not baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He baptized only in the name of the Father. These people were Jews under the law. Confessions of the sinner today in John 16, 7, 11. You want to turn there? John 16, 7 through 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, verse 10, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Verse 11, of judgment, because of the prince of the world is judged. Notice the words of Jesus in verse 9. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Jesus shows us that the sinner will be convicted by the Holy Spirit of only one sin, and that is because they believe not on him. That's the one sin that the sinner is going to be, con be convicted of. That, that's, that's the only, you, you didn't believe in me? You're going to hell. That's pretty, that's just simple. How many times have we insisted that the sinner confess all the sins he has ever committed in order to be saved? However, he couldn't confess all the sins he ever committed. He couldn't remember everything he has ever done. The chief cornerstone, 
the sinner must, <laughs> must make is lordship of Jesus. That's why people make it so hard on people to get saved. In Acts 19.18, we read, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. These were Gentiles. It doesn't say what they confessed, but it is evident from this verse that follows that they were confessing the magical arts they had been practicing, many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. Verse 19. What a burning that must be. If you've ever burned, if you've ever... If you've ever been where they burn a bunch of occult stuff, it really stinks. They were not confessing these things to get saved because they already were saved. They gave them up because they were now... They gave them up because they were now saved. Once you get saved, you want to get rid of stuff in your life. That's how you know a person if they're truly born again. If God's word says something is wrong, they want to get rid of it. Not the day they get saved, but as they grow in the word. You, you start chucking stuff. I had a lot of stuff to chuck. I could have just set the place on fire and it probably might have been a good deal, you know. So many times people have gotten the cart before the horse. They tell unsaved people, you're going to have to quit this and you're going to have to give up that before you can get saved. I tried my hardest, even after I was saved, to quit smoking. And I don't there are probably some of you here that did the same thing. And I was up to three and a half packs trying to quit. It took the Lord. I'm serious. That's like lighting them. Like, I must have looked like a, a, a train going down the tracks. And he cheated because I was real careful at first. So he couldn't, I couldn't figure out how he could ever know that I was smoking. And he later told me after I'd quit, oh, I'd kiss your hand. <laughs> wise man, right? <laughs> so many times, not now, but in the old days, they would tell you, you got to get, quit doing this, you got to quit doing that, you got to, it's amazing to me, the things that you had to, to quit. When my parents sent me to that boarding school, I got the list of the century. They don't, you know, you can't tell people that. Because it takes the spirit in them to get rid of things, to stop doing things in their lives. If they come to you and ask you, is this thing wrong? I've read this in the word. Be honest. Don't beat around the bush with people. If they come to you and ask you something, they really want to know. Don't run to them. But when they come to you, they really want, they really want to know and they really want to know how to become set free from it. At least I did. Here's an example of confession in reverse. Trying to clean up your act, quit all your habits, trying to do it all yourself so, yourself so you can get saved. It doesn't work. That does not work. How many, real, how many tried this before you got saved? Tried to make yourself perfect. Thank God Jesus is still working on all of us. Amen? Okay. Notice the words. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth. There must be a vocal confession 
in the word. In Romans 10, 9, let's turn there. Here is an example of confession in reverse. I just gave you that one. But this is what we need to do. 10, 9, Romans. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The sinner has served Satan. He is guilty of only one sin in the sight of God. Only one sin. The rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. God demands that the sinner confess the Lordship of Jesus. Confessing the Lordship of Jesus is the very heart of the gospel. That is why it is so easy to get people that go to different churches that don't teach salvation, get them saved. The cults, forget it. That's a whole different ball game. You've got to really know your scripture. But someone that's gone to church all their life, the best way to go after them is to say, do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? And if they've been going to church, they'll say yes. Then just ask, do you want to confess? Do you desire to confess him as Lord and Savior? It's so simple. You know, the sinner has served Satan. He's guilty. To demand a sinner, to demand that a sinner confess his sins before God can make him a new creation makes no more sense than it would for the governor of the state to say to a convict in prison, I will parole you if you will confess that you are in prison. It is a self-evident fact that he's in prison. Likewise, it is self-evident that the sinner is a child of the devil. What he must confess is the lordship of Christ. He must be truly sorry for his sins of the past and turn from them, forsaking them completely and acknowledging his need of a savior. Then he must let Jesus dominate his life daily. You know, when, when you go out soul winning, and you say, do you want to get, make it to heaven? Well, of course they do, but they're, you've got to explain to them what comes along with this. A lot of people just will say a prayer with a person just so they won't go to hell. They have not confessed Jesus as their Savior. The big important thing is for them to go out and tell someone they've received him. When I lead someone to the Lord, I always tell them to tell some, go tell someone immediately that you've received him. It's, you know, I don't know why people try to make this so hard because it's so easy. Notice the words, thou shalt confess with thy mouth. There must be a vocal confession. Lips must, be, must frame the words. Confession is not only for our sake, but it is also for their sake of the world and of their sake of, their sake of Satan who has ruled their lives or our lives. You know, when you stop and think about if someone had only come to you years before and explained to you this is all you need to do, it would have been simple. But that's not how they explained it all to me. I could have easily gotten saved at that time. But it was not explained that way. And so the sad thing was, I went on sinning, having a good old time, messing my life up. Confession of God's word builds faith. How many realize that? 
I'm going to do a couple confessions out of this. God's Creative Power by Charles Capps, Gift Edition. Thank you, Heather. I think you gave it for, to me for Christmas. You have given me abundant life. I receive the life through your word, and it flows to every organ of my body, bringing healing and health. Heavenly Father, I attend to your word. I incline my ears to your sayings. I will not let them depart from my eyes. I keep them in the midst of my heart for their life and healing to all my flesh. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22. Let's see what it says for you to prosper. Beloved, I wish above all things that you mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How many believe that? Amen. So how does your soul prosper? I'm asking you a question. I'm asking you a question. By, by knowing the word. By knowing the word. Pardon? Speaking and doing. Speaking and doing the word. Anybody else? Let's go there. Third John two. Let's go on up to um, verse one. The elder unto the well beloved Gaius whom I loved in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. For I greatly rejoiced when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth or the word. It's how your soul prospers. Amen? Amen. It is always possible to tell if a person is believing right by what he says. If his confession is wrong, his believing is wrong. If his believing is wrong, his thinking is wrong. If his thinking is wrong, it is because his mind has not been renewed by the word of God. Now I'm going to ask you something. Maybe, you know, from the very time I was saved, I read the word of God constantly. And if people would come and start telling me something, this was after we got out of the non-faith walk, into the faith walk, when people would start saying something that did not agree with the word of God, I would boldly say, "That's show me that in the word. You know, that takes guts to do that. I will tell you. This is before I was ever saved, okay? This is in the days when I used to pick up hitchhikers and start pre preaching to them in the car. I told you about the time the one guy told me he just got out of the nut house. And um, I'm driving down the road with him in the car, and I thought, well, this is, I just had little faith at this point. If he tries to do something, I can just jump out the door. But I was, you know, that was my life. That's how I was. I would just pick up people and preach to them. It was, probably wasn't the safest thing, but God protected me. Okay, and when, you know, you get people that will tell you something that the word doesn't say, if you really love them and care about them, ask them to show you in the word where it says that, and if they can't, then you show them in the word where it says the opposite. Care enough about a person. They're going to hell. I mean, I studied with the Jehovah Witness. I studied with the Mormons. I can tell you what they believe. They're going to hell. 
And so I don't care if, who it is. I don't care if it's a doctor and they're Mormon. I will talk to them about Jesus. I mean, I'm paying my money, so, okay. It's always possible to have a person believing right by what he says. If confession is wrong, he is believing is wrong. If his believing is wrong, his thinking is wrong. If his thinking is wrong, it is because his mind has not been renewed with the word of God. All three, believing, thinking, and saying, go together. If you get one thing out of today's sermon, all three go together. All three, believing, thinking, and saying go together. God has given us his word to get our thinking straightened out. We can think in the line, so we can think in the line of God's word or of God's will. How many want to be in his will all the time? All the time. Perfect. You, you know, I got two people I have to make happy, him and God. Those of you that aren't married, you just have God. It's true. When you get that in your mind, that it's God first that you have to make happy. And if you're married, then it's your mate. But these three things, believing, thinking, and saying, go together. God has given us his word to get our thinking straightened out. We can think in line with God's word. When we come to the, stu the subject of confession, we have dealt with three types of confession. The confession of the sins of the Jews, the confession of the sinner today, and the confession of the believer who is out of fellowship with God. Confession has five parts, and I'm going to close it on this right now. So there are, you might write this down. There are five parts to confession. Most of us haven't done certain things for a while because our minds have not been renewed back to what the Word says to do. We've got to line it up now to the word. The word is the plumb line. It's time to bring it in, folks, because we could go into World War III any day. There's some Koreans out there that are a little nutty. We've got to line it up. Time might be shorter than we think. Whoopee, woohoo. I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> and I'm ready to go. There's nothing you should be afraid of if you're, if you're right with God. And that is the truth. If you're right with God, you shouldn't be afraid of anything. If you're not, get it right. <laughs> get it right quick. I don't know who it is, but... Someone have a pain right here. If that's you, come up and see me after. Okay? So let's go ahead and pray. You don't need to go home and have that in your, on your body. Father, right now, I just pray over every person in this room. I pray over their finances. I pray over their spirit, soul, and body. I pray over their families, their mates, their children, their siblings, their parents if they're still alive. God, my desire for this coming week is that we are blessed in the city. We're blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. We're blessed the blessings of God are on us in every place we 
every place that you take us, God, we will be a blessing. Every place we place our foot, we will be a blessing to those to the people that we come in contact with. Father, there are those in this world that are hurting. They need to know you. And so, God, I pray for this congregation that this word that we all received this morning, that we will all take it to heart. And if there's any areas in those of those three areas that we line them up and we start walking in your precepts like we've never walked before. It's easier to walk in your will than out of your will. So God, my prayer is that this is the beginning of a brand new week and realm for each person in this room this morning. And anyone hearing this on air, I just thank you, Lord, that your promises are yes and amen. We give you the glory. Amen. Don't forget, Nada, 